the full-scale war starts. And then on February 25th, we wake up with understanding that we're not break-even anymore, not even close to that. Because the banks, our customers, Ukrainian customers, the banks start closing their credit business one by one by one by one. Mm-hmm. And we stop bailing the banks. The situation is very uncertain. It's hard to predict how it's going to operate, how the country is going to live in general, how the bank system is going to live, to survive in general. And the banks just close their banking businesses. And we understand that we have a fantastic team that we have been gathering from all the world, from banks and fintechs that we want to hold in. And we're a fully self-funded, revenue-funded business. So we need revenue to keep going. And our revenue just stops coming in. And we realized that, well, we either should do something that we have never done before, or we just close. We just close and say goodbye to Neofin. And of course, we choose the first option. And we decide that we're going to scale internationally. We're going to Ah. go to international markets. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Fintech Podcast, where we learn how to build fintech products with customer and commercial impact, because we're on a mission to eliminate financial stress. Thanks to every single one of you that comes back every week to listen, learn, and get inspired. My guest today is Svitlanka Sergichuk Ramanuk, CEO and co-founder at Neofin, a lending software as a service fintech. We had a ton of fun recording and we talked about how no-code solutions are empowering companies to launch lending propositions faster. Neofin started years ago in Ukraine. So we explored their founding story and then their journey of losing all of their Ukrainian bank customers one by one in a matter of days at the start of the war. They had to make a very difficult decision to stop or adapt and continue. It is deep and inspiring. Today, Neofin has customers across the world, including the U.S., So we go deeper into the how to go about market expansion, especially in the U.S. And finally, Neofin not only has gone through surviving challenges during war, Neofin has multiple awards. So Spitlanka shares with us her secrets to success, strength, and perseverance. So if you enjoyed this episode, it could mean the world if you subscribe and give it a follow so that we can have more impact. Guys, Mitlanka, welcome to the show. I'm really looking forward to this chat because you've, well, I think you're an amazing woman building a fintech, but also you've gone through very tough times. And that's a beautiful example of a strong woman. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, Monica. I'm also excited to be here. Thank you. So before we go into your story as such, let's get to know Svitlanka a little bit better as a person. So what does success look like for you? To me, the success is to do what you like and be in harmony with yourself and live according to your values. Oh, I think that's so important. Live according to your values. Because sometimes... That's when we struggle, right? 
<laughs> when we're like, oh, it's against. And that's when yeah. there's inner conflict. Exactly. Cool. So talking about inner conflict, like you're originally from Ukraine and you were yeah. living in Ukraine when the conflict started. What, how did you find resilience and strength inside during the tough times? That's a good question. Because the first reply that I want to give is that we just have it. Is that you don't have any other choice. You need to be strong. You need to be resilient in order to keep going, in order to keep working. Especially if you're a leader and there are many people that depend on you. You understand that if you're not resilient, if you're not strong, then what kind of leader will you be for all these other people that actually depend on you? And for me, there were several layers. There was a layer of my family that needed help, needed support, and all eyes were on me in terms of how we're going to go through this. And the level of my teams that were also looking at me and the leadership's position in the hard times is critical for for team's operation. So it's something inevitable. You should, you either go strong or you go home. I like that. Yeah, because there's no way. Somebody asked me recently, like, how do you cope when it gets really tough? What do you do? And I, with a very serious face, I said, I just keep going. And she was like, what? I'm like, well, maybe I stop, I cry. You know, I reassess this, the other, but I just keep going. <laughs> and that's what you, you need going. to do. Yeah, you keep going. going. You can be scared. You can cry. But you can still go in the meantime. Okay, exactly. crying, but go. Exactly. exactly. And I think that's a beautiful message. It's like, yeah, crying, but go. It's like scared, but go. You just keep going. Whatever feeling is totally. coming up, just keep going. Totally. Because I always see it as otherwise, the alternative. I never like the alternative. The alternative is scarier than wherever situation I may be at the moment. Like, no, I don't like the alternative. So I just keep going. Cool. So that's a deep topic that probably we'll go into in more detail a bit later. But this podcast is about like purpose and how we can create more impact in fintech as such. So what's your view on how we can create more purposeful products in the industry? I think here it's very important to look into the very senses behind everything that we're doing. Fintech and in general financial industry is a very classical, conservative and heavily regulated industry. And it has reasons for that. It should be that way for many reasons. At the same time, what I think it is critically important behind all the processes, behind all the regulations, behind all the rules to understand the sets, why we are doing what we're doing, why this rule has to be this way. Does it really have to be this way? If we look more into the sense of what we're doing, then we can do the purpose-driven products. If we have the true uh, motivation, then we can do the purpose-driven product. Neofin is a purpose-driven technology that powers products like that. 
we love working with products with a goal, with products with a purpose and products with an impact. Yes. And that's super important because exactly it all comes back to the intent behind the product or the company, even like the why we're doing what we're doing. So yes. you as Neofin, you have a customer promise that it's quite ambitious, courageous, audacious, that it's uh, launched your lending business at four times the speed and zero delivery risk. Can you tell us about Neofin and what this customer promise is? Yeah, absolutely. We're, well, we're in the fintech. We cannot just do the marketing phrases and then do not correspond with that marketing phrases because otherwise we'll get regulated. So, of course, we do have an explanation what that means. At Neofin, we are introducing the wave of no-code to the financial world. So at the moment, the world is driven by the API waves. No-code is a completely new mode of interaction between the user and the technology because it enables to cover all the commodities with the professionally specialized expertise only, for example, business analysts or risk managements of the banks or underwriters or product managers and so on, without involving the hard coding, without involving the development team. Because development team can, in the meantime, take care of the core business, take care of the core tasks. Development team, we all know, always has a huge backlog and it's not that easy to cram into that backlog. Um, whereas they can work on the core things and not be distracted. while. At Neofin, we cover everything around the lending technology, which is basically a commodity tool. We cover it through the no-code approach. That is why it's four times the speed. Because, for example, you don't need mm. to wait for the development team to become available in order to build out a marketing lead generation page for the new lending product or for the new financial program. You can just use the site builder and get a couple of pages that are needed, fully branded, fully white labeled as a part of the domain done in a couple of days. Or you do not have to involve a huge team of integrators and developers to fine tune your underwriting strategy because you can use an underwriting studio and you can establish all of the, those decision and algorithms inside yeah. the studio. That makes it faster. And when I say zero delivery risk, of course, there's always some risk. I, as a Ukrainian, I know that the risk can be everywhere and especially in the places you never expect. But I would say that from the technology platform, because it's not hard coding and it's a platform that is already there and that provides you with those Lego parts that you need to combine together. You don't have a delivery risk that you won't have those Lego parts, big parts, because they're already there. You don't need to code them. That's mm. why, that's why it just decreases the very basic delivery risk to minimum. Okay. I thank you for that explanation because I'll deep dive a little bit before we go more into Neofin. I want to understand properly what Neo, the impact of no code. 
because I've been hearing the word, you know, like no code, this, no code, the other. And then if I put <laughs> that in the context of product people, so for example, some, somebody was asking me the other day, Hey, are you a technical product manager? And I'm like, no, I'm any other type of product manager, let's say product expert, but I'm not a technical product manager because that's not my background. I did study engineering, but I did not study computers engineering. Therefore, like it's not my strength as such. But then what you're saying is basically as a product professional, I can deliver my proposition, my journeys, lending journeys faster because then I will use my tech team to go and build the core while I as a no coder can play with this other software to build all the, not all, but some of the surrounding elements of the product. And then basically save time because I can do it rather than putting it in the roadmap or in the backlog for the tech team to do it. Therefore, it's much more efficient because we all know that that 20% of building all the additional tools takes so much time. What I like to say is that you don't have to be a coder. You can be a no coder. So you can be a non-technical product manager and it's still completely fine with Neofin. We often work with founders who are people of the business and mm -hmm. not technical people. We often work with a product team or with the, let's say, head of retail lending and so on. These are all business positions. And yeah. the business, the, the system is designed in a way that it's going to be clear for the business positions. And for you as a product manager, for example, is it important for you to be able to test various strategies or, for example, financial pr promotion before launching it massively? It's a but massive launch, yes. You have to test a lot. Probably you do. And here you're getting a simple and low risk way to test it out, to take, for example, an existing cohort of the users of a financial institution, run this cohort and pre-score it with existing underwriting strategy of the new lending product that you foresee for your new financial product and see how much of them pre-qualify, how much of them pre-score, how relevant it is in general for this cohort of the users, how interesting it's going to be to them. Maybe it's your assumption and idea, but they actually don't qualify for that. And you can do it in a couple of days for just a test because it's a low risk yeah. model. And the loan management system would allow to create multiple constructions like those mm -hmm. and test them, understand what works and stick to what works in the production. Okay, cool. I like that. So coming back to you and your story, how did you guys start Neofin? Like, what's the story behind you and the founders, the idea? That's a fun story. My co-founder, Alex, who's a technical co-founder. Yeah, you see, we also have the same duo. Uh, I'm a business co-founder. Yeah, he's a technical co-founder. He used to work on a number of CIO, CTO positions in the banks, in the fintechs. And he was always stressed by the fact that the loan management systems are all created so long ago. They're not optimal. 
and what is very relevant to the region where we are coming from. So we're all coming from Ukraine, specifically from the east of Ukraine. And most of the tools that have been used in the banking, they were not made in Ukraine. They were originated from Russia. And in many countries around us in the Eastern Europe, these products were very popular, even though they were not functional, not flexible, not modern at all. And at the same time, I, I spent over 10 years scaling international Ukrainian tech businesses on the worldwide arenas. And at that point, I was really interested. I was a big fan of the innovations in Ukrainian banking. And I loved what we are doing from the user perspective, from the end user's perspective. But at the same time, what I did not like is how it looks like from inside, from the perspective of the institution, from the banking perspective. And that's how we found each other. That's how we found each other. And it was firstly, it was kind of a patriotic intention because we just didn't want our banks use the product that was originated from Russia. And there was actually, uh, at that point, it wasn't a national thing. It was a thing that it's actually the product that doesn't work quite well. So it started with that and started just as an idea that we were building out at night, having Mm. our full-time jobs. And then mm, it got super quickly sold to the first bank, super quickly in a few months. And then boom, and we started serving a lot of major banks and institutions in the, in the country. Oh, that's amazing. Congrats. So it, it all started in Ukraine, actually. Yes. I was about to ask that. And then what happened? Because this is like prior to the war starting. And then actually, it was at the time it. of the war. Actually, it was at the time of the war because we are from the east of Ukraine, from the, all the founding team of Neofin. The war in Donbass started in 2004. So Russia invaded okay. our home region. And when Neofin started, it was already several Conflict. years of the war. And we were already expecting something and had experience with with this. There's a dark joke, dark humor that I usually say that we started getting missiles from Russia before it has become a, a mainstream humor, but dark humor, but this is what we have. Yeah. But then let's say the that was 2014. But then I was referring to the current yeah. conflict. So... You guys were working in Ukraine. Your clients were mainly Ukrainian, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then you are now based in Canada. Yeah. And now you've expanded to the U.S. So can you guide us through what was your journey? Like what happened when the war started? What happened when the war started? So by February 2022, we were already break even. We were happy with that. We did plan to do international expansion by the 2023. And then on February 24th, the full-scale war starts. And then on February 25th, we wake up with understanding that we're not break-even anymore, not even close to that. Because the banks, our customers, Ukrainian customers, 
the banks start closing their credit business one by one by one by one. Mm-hmm. And we stop bailing the banks. The situation is very uncertain. It's hard to predict how it's going to operate, how the country is going to live in general, how the bank system is going to live, to survive in general. And the banks just close their banking businesses. And we understand that we have a fantastic team that we have been gathering from all the world, from banks and fintechs that we want to hold in. And we're a fully self-funded, revenue-funded business. So we need revenue to keep going. And our revenue just stops coming in. And we realized that, well, we either should do something that we have never done before, or we just close. We just close and say goodbye to Neofin. And of course, we choose the first option. And we decide that we're going to scale internationally. We're going to ah. go to international markets. Um, can I stop you there? Let's continue, but can I stop you? Why did you choose not to stop? Because I remember it seemed very gray and dark at those times. And I'm not from Ukraine and I was not even in Europe at the time. But what was going on through your mind and your heart, you and the founders, that you were like, no way, we're not stopping? You need to be effective, as effective as possible, because... As a leader, you understand that a lot of people depend on you. And there is a country that is in blood and in pain. And your people, your nation that is in blood and in pain. The only way for you to be effective and helpful is to keep going. To continue. To keep generating value. To be able to keep giving job to people. Keep paying the tax. Keep earning something to be able to help, to donate. One of my family is in the army right now, on the front line. And on the, in the first days of the war, we did not have any basic equipment in Ukraine. We basic, Basically, the families were su- trying to supply their relatives, their husbands, fathers, and so on, to supply them with all that equipment. And it's not cheap, like everything, every small thing. I would never expect I would be able to understand what is a good thermal Im- imager, what is a good anti-drone rifle, or what what are what drone models are there, and so on. But you get you become an expert in that because you need to buy all of that, you need to choose all of that. So, my family, part of my family, was going to the army. We were working with all the family too manage and supply them with all the necessary things then a lot of dependents like grandmas like mothers wives children a lot of dependents and they all look at you and if you don't keep going then what is the hope for you and what is the hope for these people you cannot make another that was the only relevant choice that we could do at that yeah. point and we were existing for a few months with no revenue working fully on internationalizing the product and working on building out the partner ecosystem and researching the ways how we can go international which regions are the most relevant what would be our history 
that was lost in a few months. And it was a big stressful month because wow. yes. as a, as a self-funded business, you're not used to work with no revenue. You need revenue. Of course not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you need revenue. That was very stressful. But we were going through it. And the war became a very strong, I would say, the most effective and tough accelerator. That it we was were a catalyst. Yeah. Because, for example, we needed to pass through compliance and certification to work internationally. Uh, usually this takes at least a year. At least a year. In our case, we managed to pass all the U.S. compliance and certifications like ISO, SOC 2, and so on in half a year. So a lot of things we were, we were doing because we were so motivated, we were doing faster. And we were, when we decided to go into the, into U.S., I was talking to a lot of people from the fintech space in the U.S. I was talking to a lot of investors from the fintech space in the U.S. And what I was told was, yeah, we know our system. It will take you at least two years to get the first customer in the U.S. because the financial system is so slow and conservative and regulated. And then in four months, we had the first customer in the U.S. So that was a congrats. big Congrats. I'm like, congrats. Amazing. You've done really well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's you've done always, really well. There, there's always this thing that we could do better and I'm thinking could we do better of course we could but of course I think that it was still not bad no I think you did a great job (laughs) (laughs) because like also if you think about it like many many fintechs try to go into the US and then they don't you not only tried but like you did and you did it fast and then you got the clients and you're now in the US like you have US customers which is amazing yeah yeah we still feel like with the U.S. we're on the start of our journey, but we're actively scaling in different countries. In 2023 alone, we scaled to many countries of the Middle East, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, uh, Jordan, Egypt, and then also Central Asia. We started mm-hmm. Kazakhstan. We're working on preparing Uzbekistan. And then Central Eastern Europe, so Ukraine, then we got the representative office in Poland, getting ready with Romania now. So we don't stop there. War teaches you to diversify the risks. You don't put all the eggs in one basket. If we would only put U.S. on stakes, that would not be sustainable for us because it's a long-term shot. Mm. Yes, I like how you think. It, I think it made you stronger also as a person, as a human, not only as a leader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's interconnected. It's interconnected. Because you, at some point, you start feeling stronger physically, too. Like, I understand that, like, when I even just work out in my free time, I think that why I enjoy it so much, so much more than before because I feel like with every minute, I'm getting stronger. I love that. You know, like I, when I'm into the habit of weightlifting and then I'm like, and I start to see my body shape change and like the muscles and you feel stronger, like you're mentally stronger as well. I just think that it's like so related. Like when the body feels like super strong, then the mind is stronger. And likewise, when the mind is super strong, then the body gets strong. It's just... Yeah. That's Working with works. body is my absolute recommendation to everyone who's going through the hard times. 
it's so interconnected. Yes, it is interconnected. Coming back to blending a neofin, especially now that you have like expansion plans across different countries. So lending is a very complex product as such, because there's many parts, I would say, within the process. If we look at it in the process, there's many parts to it. Can you guide us quickly? So for anyone that's not familiar with the lending end-to-end process, can you guide us through the process and then expand what are the main pain points that you're solving for or that your customers may have? And they are like, yes, we want to go to Neofin because of that. Yeah, of course. It's definitely a complex process. Let me try to structure it in a simple way. Mm -hmm. There are several stages in the lending process. The first stage is the actual onboarding, which is common in this region to be called loan origination. That is the stage when the user is onboarding, the application is captured. All the magic of the KYC, anti-fraud checks, digital identity verification uh, is being done on the background at this uh, at this stage then the application is processed and then the scoring happens and, and then the decisioning happens and the credit decision is being made so it's either approved or disapproved or or declined or it goes for the manual for the manual decision all of that is under the umbrella of loan origination and for each part of this loan origination, there are the separate solutions inside Neothin on the stage of KYC, on the stage of the fraud detection, on the stage of the uh, face recognition, liveness detection for remote identification, on the stage of the OCR documents check, then processing the application, scoring, running the underwriting rules, and making the decision. The goal with Neofin is to allow the customer automate as many decisions as possible. Mm -hmm. Leave, let's say, automate 96%, leave 4% for the manual check. Mm, yeah. Just make the use, the, the use of the, you know, human resources of the team effectively, not to have them deal with the very standard cases that can be automated. Then the next stage is the, loan management system. This yes. is when, okay, we've already made the decision. Yeah. What is going to happen next? You need to manage it somehow. You need to have the user base. You need to operate it. You need to use it as a CRM. You need to build out various financial products. We call it like our loan management uh, platform. We call it product building engine. It's our internal jargon because of this Lego principle. We like the customers uh, that are curious, that want to innovate and try out different financial programs. And then the, you should service it. So here the loan servicing comes. You should service it to arrange the repayments to make sure that the borrower has a comfortable borrower's area. A uh, clear understanding of how the repayments are going to happen, when they're going to happen, what amounts are going to be, what is left to repay. Uh, 
send the necessary communication, necessary notifications, necessary communication, and so on. And then you need to market it somehow. So run, let's say, affiliate, affiliate marketing campaigns, run various communication campaigns, uh, maybe do some promo codes or holiday activations and so on. And this is a marketing part. So this is a, this is how the process of lending looks like in a nutshell. Of course, yes. under every of these parts, there's a lot of nuances, a lot of solutions. But the platform covers this all in a nutshell, in a nutshell, and it is very open to any external solutions that the customer is used to work with. And we just make it super easy to, mm-hmm. to work with, to with, with that. So why could a financial institution, whether that's a fintech or a bank, why would they choose you over any of the other tons of lending management systems? Oh, yeah, there are tons of them. You're totally yes. right. Yes. Why choose us? I would say that for the moment, we are the most optimal for the institutions that do not have sufficient technical teams to run lending on it, uh, to, to, to run lending automations. Mm. Because for fintech, for bank, they, the technical teams need to be very focused on their core product to make sure that their user experience is perfect, their customer support is perfect, their applications are perfect. And usually lending is something that is kind of left behind and there are not, re- there are no, not much resources there. Whereas Neocene helps make it as digital, as seamless, as dynamic and automated as, let's say, the user experience of a great neobank. That is one important point. Another important point is the general ease and flexibility. Because, for example, the traditional credit bureau score, it's important for the institutions to be open to alternative data sources, to work with alternative data sources, to work not just with the scores of the credit bureaus, but with the with all those thousands different attributes that can be pulled from the credit bureau data. And that is um, very important. Exactly. So yeah. there are so many audiences right now that are getting access to finance, which would not be possible if financial institutions would not start using the alternative data. Having the legacy, or I would say more traditional, more traditional does not make the institution flexible and open to the usage of all of that new technology and integrations and solutions and, uh, and so on. It often can take years to integrate something new. At Neofim, the longest new data source integration that has ever taken us was five days. That was the oh, long- wow. That was the longest. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like, what people would be thinking now, oh, yeah, and it's super, super expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, it should be less expensive than managing the whole team for X months to build the thing on your own. Absolutely. So this is like a good way to get fast to market and reduce your costs, probably, like development costs and maintenance costs. Because the maintenance cost is just the, the personnel who is working with the platform, the employees that the financial institution has anyway. I'm like, I was thinking like, no, 
you know, like whenever I speak with any potential partner and they say, oh, it's just three lines of code. It will take like just a day to implement whatever it is. I always say that is a lie. <laughs> like People oh, like yeah. to oversell. I'm like, no, it's not three lines of code. It's not. So with you, I, I was just thinking, I'm like, I'm sure it's not just five days. <laughs> All this complexity uh, behind it, just so that we don't missell the product as well. Of course, of course. No, I, I want to be very transparent here. I'm speaking about the new data sources. And the data sources, it can definitely be done below five days. If we speak about integration with something heavy, like a core banking system, oh my God, that can take a long time. That can take a yes. long time. But still, with Neofin, we designed the system in a way that it has this ready API mythos to communicate with the existing lending mm-hmm. landscape of an institution. So it would not take that massive that time longer. as with the hard-coded platforms, but oh, oh my God, it, it's definitely a big piece of work. So I'm yes. not going to do any false promises here. Yes, exactly. Which that is very important. So yes, yes, yes. going back into market expansion, Yep. What's the biggest challenges when thinking of market expansion? Every market has its own specifics and its own climate and the regulatory landscape and the its own local data. So the regulatory landscape does concern us, but a bit less because we are not providing financial services ourselves. We are a technology and all we need is we need to comply with the local certification and compliance requirements, which is doable, challenging, but doable. The next important challenge is the data. So we work with the, we, we strive at Neofin to choose only the top notch data partners which we're very proud of right now we work not only do we work with the main credit bureaus that work pretty globally like uh, Equifax, Experian we also work with the uh, with the great alternative data providers such as Prism Data let's say still every market has their local data climate and local data providers that would have more of that and more relevant. So getting to understand the local climate in the data is also an important challenge. And it's important to respect this because the effectiveness of the customer's operations would depend on that. And also, of course, the local cultural differences. For example, when we Mm -hmm. went Middle East and we started working with Middle East in in the first place, we got to know the Sharia compliant lending very well. Yeah. Because Sharia compliance is an important thing and the lending has its own specifics in the region. If you want to operate in the region effectively, you need to respect that. Definitely. Cool. Because I think there's many fintechs that are trying to grow exactly international. But it is not that easy. But I think you, you gave like a good summary. It's not that easy. But, I'm just no. putting it into the clear words because exactly. we're on the podcast. Looking back summary. Yeah. 
rather than I cannot say it's easy. For... No, yeah, it's we're, not we're easy. on that journey. We're on the journey right now. Yeah, yeah, it's not that easy. As we are getting towards the end of the episode, Neofilm has many awards. So I want to talk about leadership and your company culture as such. You were awarded Equifax Accelerate Award, Fintech and E-commerce linking these awards in Poland. You were selected as part of the top five companies to be part of in the MasterCard Start Path Ukraine program, recognized as an innovator of the U.S. Department of State's Global Innovation through the Science and Technology Initiative in 2023. So it's like not just one, it is many, it's multiple awards. So kudos to you and the team. Thank you. No, it's like, thank you to you. <laughs> when you're in the moment, in the process of all of that, you're so much in the operation. So sometimes it's useful to hear the summary like yours. So yes. thanks, thanks for that. For us, the main importance why we want to be in all of that places is that we want our voice to be heard. And mm. the programs, the accelerators, and these kind of awards, I think, are a very important platform for the startups to have their voices to be heard. I know that we don't have, right now, we don't do marketing. We don't have any budget for sales and marketing. We are a self-driven, revenue-driven business, not VC-backed. and. All of these platforms, all of the awards and programs, they provide a platform for your voice to be heard and for your message to be heard. And that's how we keep getting. Right now, in average, we have two financial institutions signing up with Neofin every month. Um, Congrats. And we don't, do, we don't do any marketing and sales. And we understand that we're getting the exposure. We need to be in all of that and definitely recommend to all the fintech founders that are running fintech startups that are early stage, that cannot do massive sales and marketing right now. Please look for these opportunities. Please go for them because that's your platform. Yeah. That's your voice. I love that. I, I love the fact that you talk about your voice as such and your message. So obvious follow-up question. What is your voice and your message as Neofin? We want to make fintech in general and lending as such a place where innovations are normal and not exceptional. We want to make it a reality. I like that. That's a good message. And, that, and I think you're doing it because innovation it's not that it's hard. It's just like it's complex because there's so much that needs to get done to build one simple feature out. Yes. It's people just see like a button in the app. <laughs> but no, so much behind that button in the app. <laughs> and yeah. then you're right to innovate. Like we have so many limitations everywhere, like that we need to walk around and jump up and down and try to do it in a different way. So yeah, I like that vision of making innovation accessible and make it a day-to-day -day thing rather than the extraordinary <laughs> once in a while thing. That's cool. Uh, what has been your secret to success then? That was a complicated question for me because 
I don't think that we're that super successful right now to talk about that. I mean, we're not a unicorn yet. <laughs> we just started getting our international, our international traction. So I'm always a little cautious with these kind of statements. I think it, an important way is to keep trying because mm. the more times you try, the more chances you have to succeed in one of the tries. But it's important to be ready that not all the tries are going to be successful and it's going to be stressful. It's going to be freaking hard to go ahead and try again. So yeah, probably the more you try, the more chances are you you succeed. This is mathematics. Yeah. yeah. You just described life or a startup. <laughs> like yeah. or, or or both. Or both. <laughs> yeah. So before we go, where can we find you and Neil? Okay. So the main place where you can find us, you can find us under Neofin Solutions name in uh, LinkedIn. Myself, I'm Svetlanka Sergeyuk Romanuk. I know it's a very hard, heavy, complex name, but I'm there on LinkedIn. I'm the only person with that name. And I will add it to the easier, show notes. <laughs> which makes it easier. And physically, welcome to meet me in Toronto. Our team in Kuala Lumpur, near you, by the way. Oh, oh, oh we should meet. We have a team. Yes, we have a team there. And then while often in Chicago on the floor of 1871 Innovation Hub, which is our little second home. Oh. Us globally. And yes, also all I the things that. you'll definitely find us. Fintech yes, Netflix, I've seen you. Money 2020, FinTech Meetup. We go for all of that. All of them. That's amazing. You're very, very active. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. So the last one. If there was one thing that you could change in fintech to make fintech better and have more positive impact to customers, investors, and members of staff, what could that be? That's one. a tough one. Yes, it is a tough one. One thing I would probably make special fast track due diligence procedure to effectively evaluate to enable financial institutions effectively evaluate and to deal the fintechs and be able to integrate the fintechs in their lives easier. Interesting. I like that. So it's more of the how can we collaborate more... better between fintechs and, and large institutions? Or yeah. well, not, not, not necessarily fintechs and large institutions, but it's like within the B2B fintech ecosystem with the other fintechs yeah. or financial institutions. Yeah. And how can we accelerate that process? And how can we, how can we be synergetic? Because financial, traditional financial institutions have a lot of what we need to learn from them. But we as the fintechs also have a lot to, of value to bring. Yeah. And how it can be synergistic, how it can be, how it can be brought to the level of effective interaction. That would probably be the change I would be looking at. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's beyond efficient collaboration. It is 
proper, how can we work together better? Where I bring my strengths as a financial institution, I bring my strengths as a fintech. We both have different strengths. And then how can we bring them together to do better? Yeah, it's beautiful. Awesome. Well, Svitlanka, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the show. Thank you for coming. And thank everyone. you for having me, Monica. Thank thanks for the invitation. Uh, you. You're a fantastic coach. It's the, the host of the, of the podcast. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you. It means a lot. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.